Hello and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in our series over marriage. This series is called A Strong Marriage Before Marriage. And we're going to be interviewing several different couples who have been married for a long time and have some wisdom for us to glean. Our series is based on the Proverbs 3, 13 and 14, where it says that wisdom is more valuable than silver or even gold. As we seek to learn from these couples, we'll gain wisdom and understanding and application for our lives today and for our future as we look at being prepared to be married. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. All right, for our lesson today, as you guys know, we've been doing uh, a strong marriage before marriage, and our whole theme verse, if you guys remember, I share it at the start of every single one. Happy is the one or blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who obtains understanding for her income is better than the income of silver and her revenue than that of gold. She's more precious than rubies and all you desire cannot compare with her. So our goal here uh, today and through this whole series is to get wisdom, valuable wisdom, um, about marriage. And when you think about it, I was thinking about this week as I was just going through some stuff. It, I mean, it says it's more valuable than gold and silver. Okay, I mean, gold and silver is really, I mean, pretty valuable, right? But basically what it's saying is that there's no material value that can compare with the value of wisdom. Um, and we're going to be blessed in our marriage if we go into with, um, with that wisdom. We're going to be blessed in our marriage. So today... We're talking about, and it sounds kind of uh, sounds kind of down and dark, but we're talking about pitfalls. What are the pitfalls of marriages? And so, <clears throat> where it's a little bit different, we're going to go through nine the top nine things that cause divorce in marriage. Okay, the top nine things that cause divorce. We're going to look at them. We have our guest speakers. I'll introduce them in just a second. But we're going to go through those top nine things. And as we go through these, don't think. Um, just about divorce because these things don't just cause divorce they cause uh, dissension fighting a break in unity they cause a lot of things within marriage that we don't want we want unity we want love we want to be a picture of Christ in the church Um, and so we don't want these pitfalls within our marriage but if we go into marriage understanding and looking and seeing these pitfalls and at least kind of grasping them a little bit it's going to help us in our marriage and so I have a quote for you and this is a cultural quote. Okay, this is a cultural quote, meaning it's not true. Okay, this is not a biblical quote. It's not a true quote. It's a cultural quote, meaning this is what our culture thinks about marriage. Okay, here it is. It says, besides, if you feel the relationship, the relationship of marriage, is serving you no purpose, and it's only giving you suffering, it's a good decision for you to walk away from marriage. Okay, that's how our culture views marriage. Our culture views marriage as something that, well, if it doesn't fit you, get rid of it. If it doesn't make you happy, forget about it. And this is not cleaving, okay? It's not loving, it's not respecting, it's not what God intended for marriage. It's not, that's not at all true. Um, that is a lie from the devil because he wants to break up families uh, to the best of his ability. And so we want, one thing my dad always told me um, is to go into marriage uh, with divorce is not an option. Okay, uh, going to marriage with divorce is not an option, and so a lot of times we go into marriage, or people, not we, because none of you are married yet, uh, but a lot of times people go into marriage with the idea of, well, if it doesn't work out, there's always a way out, right? If it doesn't work out, there's always a way out. So uh, we don't want to go in with that. We want to go in saying, no, um, I'm marrying to serve this person for the rest of my life, and so divorce is not an option. So. With no further ado, I'm going to introduce Rick and Julie Browsher. You guys can come on up. Give them a round of applause. Um, Rick and Julie are my aunt and uncle. Uh, Rick works for Canacuck. If you don't know what Canacuck is, it is the... Do you know what number it is? Is it like the biggest camp in America? It's one of them. It's, it's one of the it's top. Just, yeah, we're, we're just a large camping organization yeah. ministry, yeah. I always call it the biggest one because he's my uncle. And I want <laughs> to be, like the, to be the biggest, Travis. So he's the, he's, he works for Canica. Uh, but just before we get going, before we start, just give us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, none of these people in here really know you, so well, names, who you are, uh, and then just your yeah. love story, I guess. Yeah. I go first. Yeah, of course okay. you do. No, ladies, ladies first. first. Okay. I'm Julie Brashler, and um, 
the whole story? What do I? Oh, this is only a three-minute. Well, I mean, I mean, oh, yeah, we I still have other questions that we have to ask, <laughs> so you can't She's take up the whole time. <laughs> I was born in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, so I'm not very far from here. So I, I claim Oklahoma. <coughs> I got deep, good roots here. Um, so I think probably we were thinking in terms of um, telling you the love story. So there's probably a little bit of backstory. I was um, single until I was 40. And so there were um, quite a few on the right, so long. Not at all what I intended to do. I always thought, oh, I'm gonna get married sometime, but in the meanwhile, I'm gonna live my life. And as I begin to get like, you know, 29, well, I was like, all right, but 30, I was kind of like, okay, Lord, what, what's happening here? <laughs> this is kind of weird. And um, still still going ahead with my career and doing my thing, but, but just as the years begin to go through my 30s, I was like, wow this is like not what I thought we had you know Lord and but still um and I think there were a few times for sure just to give you the overall picture that I was I was pursuing the Lord but the my <coughs> love life maybe I would just be like yeah but he's cute I'm gonna go date him for a little while and then you know it was evident like oh, he is not pursuing the Lord and here we are going like this and I'm trying to make it work and missionary dating and bringing him back over and that was not good but um so there were plenty of, of people in relationships that were not, not plenty, that sounds horrible, but there were where I would pursue what I felt like I wanted in the moment, even though I always wanted the Lord, I would kind of step over here and then God would swing me back and say, no, that you're pursuing me and that does not match. And and so finally, there was probably toward the end of my 30s, maybe I, was, I got to the point where I was like, okay, you know, here I, I'm gonna stand on this and I'm gonna be like, I'm, I'm not even going over there. It, I, I'm not even pursuing a relationship at all until I know he, this is the, I'm gonna stand back maybe get to know him in a, in a much more distant way um, and just <coughs> emotionally especially and see okay is this the kind of guy that I would marry before I ever stepped in and so anyway then I met this man when I was 39 mm -hmm. So, you tell your story, and then we'll tell the love story. And the love story. Wow, this is getting exciting. <laughs> <coughs> so, my sixth great-grandfather, what, how far back? <laughs> um, well, he was a missionary to the New World. So, there's the, you know, I, so, it's like, wow, i got to live up to that. Um, so, so, I'm a PK preacher's kid. You know, I was, I was raised in the church. All my family married, uh, devoted to the Lord as far back, aunts, uncles, great grand great uh, uncles everybody was just following the lord so that's kind of the world i grew up in and maybe some of you guys are like that and so when i graduated high school went to bible college and i uh and, and so that was my vision was obviously is is is, is live for the lord um, have a family pursue the lord in whatever career or ministry that he calls me in and so um, you know i i met a, a gal at, at age 18 in bible college and at age 20 we were married and so, uh, you know, I'm kind of one of those, uh, I'm a stick with you guy. So that's kind of what my vision was for marriage was I, I make covenant in that. And through whatever hardships come, through whatever successes come, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about this at our 60th wedding anniversary. So, so my vision for that, trying to pursue that, didn't, didn't turn out that way. So I got married at 20, had kids at 22. I've got four uh, kids. And then, uh, and it turned out to be a very, very rough uh, uh, marriage for 22 years until finally uh, my my first wife decided because she wasn't in the marriage she decided to step out of that marriage and go to, uh, with a different relationship and so uh, when when prior to the time that I met her and knew about her uh, my marriage had ended and so here I stand as a as a as a 42 year old going man God what just happened um, and what's going to happen next? And what is my life going to look like uh, going through that? And I was serving in ministry. I was serving in kids ministry and youth ministry. And I was counseling people going through those rough times. And here I was the one going through the rough time. And so uh, we kind of find ourselves now uh, coming to our love story, if you will. Just, just both of us struggling perhaps with a different side of what does marriage look like? What does relationship look like? And what does really the rest of our life maybe look like as we both are have encountered something very different in our relationship up to this point yeah there you go and then we met at a women's retreat <laughs> you're saying odds odds lots of girls yeah. um 
Theor yeah, well, honestly, she was speaking and singing at a women's and leading a women's retreat, and uh, I was hanging out with the husband of one of the leaders of the retreat, and so that's kind of how we then kind of kind of met at that uh, at that particular. Uh, we call it a women's retreat, but yeah. anyway, it's, that's that's just. It was funny. actually at their home, um, but it sounds funnier, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's good. Better. So we come to that, as you can expect. We come to that. I'm not very trusting at this point, right? Because I've just been betrayed by someone that I devoted my life to, and so there's. There's an interesting thing going on in your life as you begin to go, how do I trust and how do I commit and, and how do I really find the right person that has the same lifelong covenant marriage ideality, uh, ideology and commitment that I do that I could share with or, or, or would I make another mistake, if you will, and, 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 and marry someone who's like what, just what Hunter just said. If I don't feel good, just get out of it. It's like, no, I'm not in for that. That's not what I'm, what I'm after. So. So we kind of met, and of course, uh, she's, she's on the other spectrum dealing with, I'm still single, <laughs> and who do I, or God, what is my plan? And so I think there's, there was an interesting time frame where we began to discuss what that looks like and try to find out through evidence in each other's lives, is this person for real? Um, because you can kind of fake it, right, for a while, or fake yeah. it until, yeah. until people make commitments, and, and that's always, I think, a concern as we walk into this, and we won't get too deep, but... Yeah. We, uh, we, we met, and uh, obviously we're married, um, <laughs> and, uh, and praise God that uh, the evidence of her in my life is more than I ever imagined, and it's kind of what I thought about when I was your age, going, well, I'll get married someday, and what might that person be like and look like, and kind of, I, I imagined this person, and, and it was fulfilled in, in Julie, because she's that kind of person that is, is, has a covenant relationship with me as well, so... Yeah. When he did propose, um, it was like eight months in, and there was a struggle on, on my part, and it wasn't a struggle in the sense of who he was. It was a struggle because I had allowed myself to be deceived so many times along the way that, you know, the Bible tells us that our heart is deceitful above all things, and especially as women and girls, we um, can go down emotionally with a path with a guy, and we can, you know, I used to say out I would see him as like all of a sudden he was Superman if I was too emotionally involved with him and he could not do anything wrong. And although I held my spiritual line pretty pretty tight, not not as tight as it needed to be sometimes, but I would I would look at this man and go, Okay, yeah, he says he's this, he's fine. And and it's really interesting how you can deceive yourself. So by the time we got to this by the time I got to this point in my life, I wanted to make sure that um, with divorce in his past, there I, I needed to know the truth about who he was, his character. Was he really a covenant-keeping man? <clears throat> and what did the story look like? So, so I needed to stay back and seek the Lord. And that was really, really important to me to know scripturally and spiritually, is this man who I am supposed to marry, is he able to enter into a covenant? And I just had to do a whole lot of soul-searching and a whole lot of distancing in order to do the soul-searching and then God just, in His Spirit, completely confirmed, and um, and I'm in amazement and total agreement with God. Got me more than <laughs> gave me more than I really ever dreamed that I would have in marriage. So that's kind of a long bit. That no, that's good. Kind of that's bad. really good. I like that um, <clears throat> using the the lingo covenant keeping because that's what our marriage is. That's right. Uh, our marriage is in general. It's a covenant, right? Uh, Brent talked about last yeah. week, um, just a little bit. Um, you know, so that's really good. So, before we get into the nine, the nine big terrible things that we're going to talk about, <laughs> uh, I wanted to allow them to give us some good things about marriage because we're going to be talking about all these bad things and these terrible yes. things. They're going to, you know, be struggles or whatever. So, give us just a couple things, a couple of the best things about about marriage for you guys. We forgot to say we've been married twelve years yesterday. So. Yesterday, yeah, it's our anniversary yeah. yesterday. We so. celebrated by playing um, games at their yeah. house. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrate their anniversary with yeah. us. That's right. <laughs> Ticket to ride. All right. So we've got a list. You just want to spout off or You want me to read just, off our just list? Just read. Okay, you're, you're, you're ready. Add, add the things that I forgot. Oh. Okay. So the big things that we were thinking about as we brainstormed were just being unconditionally loved and having someone to laugh with as life happens, growing old together, building memories, raising our son together, giggling over his antics. Love, I just love having someone to talk things out with. Um, God's Word, parenting, dreaming. We, we love to garden. We love to homestead. Um, having another perspective. I mean, other than your own, that's always important. Having someone to pray with is, <clears throat> is huge to me. I, you know, like if, if you're going through 
an emotional struggle or a spiritual struggle or a physical struggle, just having <coughs> someone right there that will just stop what they're doing and just hit their knees with you is, is so powerful and so important. Um, muscle. I wrote down muscle this morning. Yeah. I need I that like move, that. baby. Can you? She's, it's a muscle. She's, she's thinking about something. Yeah. <laughs> someone to struggle alongside you through yeah. the hard times. Someone to remember when you forget. And then there's the physical side. I didn't know if we're supposed to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No. Physical parts. Amen. <laughs> I, you know, I, I would say it's it's the best part of marriage is you get this experience. I guess what I would call epic love. Um, there's there's kind of that funny feeling love. You know, when you first get married. And, mm-hmm. No kids, no life, no jobs, no jobs, no commitments that really distract you, burden you with stuff. But epic love comes in when you've, it's like being in war with, with, with a buddy. And all of a sudden you have a, you, 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 your dependency on your fellow soldiers is, 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 a, is a relationship like none other is what I'm told. But, but in a marriage, you don't get that unless you stay together and you persevere. And you're like, man, remember that time we had such a hard time with whatever. And we we hung in there, and we fought the battle together, and we persevered together, and 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 I made three and four mistakes, really. <laughs> and you you just like, and then also, but but you don't get there to have that kind of epic love and epic story unless you actually say we're going to stick together, and not bail off the boat at the first sign of bad weather. And so that to me, and you know, over time, and that's why people get out there 40, 50, 60 year anniversaries, and it's like they finish each other's sentences, and 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 they're they they. They live. They're living in such a relationship that is that is so vetted in trust and experience. Why? Because they didn't bail out at the first sign of trouble, and that's kind of that epic kind of love category that can only be attained over time mm-hmm. and and experience and together. And in the Lord. Mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah, that's really good. And our culture says, let's just bail out. Let's just bail out um, because it's easier to bail out. And marriage is for me, after all, right? I get married to benefit myself um, and to help me out uh, because I want to. And so if you're not fulfilling what I want, then I'm going to get out of this relationship. That's what our culture says. That's what our world says. And so we're going to talk about um, nine, if we have time. We're going to talk about nine different reasons. Top nine, you may get other answers. These are the most common top nine reasons why people get divorced. And we have a couple, a question basically with each, with each one of them for <coughs> Rick and Julie. So the first one um, are, is infidelity. Okay, so that's uh, husband and wife cheating, <coughs> cheating on them, or um, something like that. So for Rick and Julie, why why does this cause divorce? First off, and then secondly, how can you, and more importantly, I think, how can you or us, how can we keep pure within marriage, especially thinking about going into marriage? Like, what are my thoughts, my intentions need to be going into marriage so I can keep pure when I'm in marriage? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, you know, uh, this, this really hits home with me because my first marriage uh, with, with my, my first wife had a history of walking into that where she had been involved in high school, the very physical relationship with a, with a guy had already given her heart to that. I mean, isn't that kind of interesting? As we kind of hear culture say, sleep around, be with whatever, doesn't really matter, it's just a physical act, has no emotional ties, has no commitment ties, it's just all that, that's, that's a lie. Because everything you give away as you're in high school and middle school of your body and your commitment and your emotions and all, that's stuff that drags forward with you, all right? So, so I mean, uh, I mean, if you're Star Trek, you're going through the, 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 the landmines, and they're, they're magnetized, right? They're, you're dragging them. You with me, Star Trek? I don't know if they know. <laughs> <Trekkies? laughs> like, right, forget it. All right, so, all right, different audience. So, uh, so, so and, and because of that, I, I honestly, I knew on the honeymoon that, that there was a problem. And I knew the first year there was a problem. And it continued to escalate. Why? Because my wife at the time had given herself to somebody else. And you say, oh, that was just in high school. No, it wasn't. It went drugged forward, and it began this, this whole thing of infidelity. Even though it didn't occur during our marriage, it was baggage, and it was un, unresolved issues that got drug into that. And so it continued to complicate even the simplest things in our marriage um, for, for, a, for the whole 22 years. And, and by the way, uh, you know who she left me to be with? The guy from high school who she had originally uh, given her heart to and given her body to and someone else. And so again, I, you know, my, 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 
my championship to you guys to say if you could champion anything is don't 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 be misled at the age you are now to drag something into a relationship later where you have to deal with that and try to have a whole relationship with the person mm -hmm. that that you're with because it's not just a physical act it's something that emotionally will stick with you i'm just thinking like it, it at y'all's age, I remember it, it was so intense and it just feels so real and so like nobody gets it. This has got to be the real thing. And and there's this deception of the enemy going on, wants to pull you into, <clears throat> I don't want to say that it's counterfeit, but it kind of feels like a counterfeit compare, compared to the real thing. Because I think all of us had like that when we, when we got married, that puppy love feeling that we look at now and it was like it was super fun and it was exciting and and it was real and it, it blossomed into the genuine thing that God intended for marriage to be but um, I think as a young adult I had this little fairy tale going on in my in my heart and mind and I wanted to I, I told my son today you know don't or the other day don't play house and he's like what I played house the other day with the girl. She told me to be the dad. And I was like, no, no, not like that. But, like, we, girls especially, I think, we play house in our mind. We, like, oh, take kind of, oh, if I married him, or I know you guys are kind of going, what? But from a girl's perspective, we sort of play, play house, and we kind of take the relationship down, in our, down the line in our mind too far, usually, because we're, we just want it so bad because we're designed, I think, to be together and to desire. But anyway, what I was going to say is don't trust the, don't, don't go down that path into a counterfeit. Don't don't try to twist it into a counterfeit. What what God has for you later. Don't try to do it now. I was thinking of the construction paper analogy, where you take two pieces of construction paper, like you know, let's say red and blue, and you stick them together with glue, and then you let them dry. And then, girls, what happens when you pull them apart? Did anybody know? Are they going to come apart really clean? No. Like little pieces of each one is going to be on the other. And that's what happens when you go down that path emotionally and physically, if you do the physical part, little pieces, as you pull apart from that relationship, little pieces are on each side. And like he was talking about with that, I, I feel like even in my life, I didn't, I, I was holding myself as a virgin till marriage, which, you know, till I was 40. But, um, but along the way, I would say definitely kiss way too many frogs. And I heard somebody ask, is it, is it okay to kiss? And, you know, should you kiss and all that last week? And, and I... I would say, man, hold back, hold back as long as you can, because that's the, that was kind of the thing. As soon as I kissed a guy, I thought he was Superman, and it was really hard for me to see like who he really was, and so that's why I kind of made that standard more in my 30s. Okay, I'm not kissing another guy until I know for certain that he is the kind of man I want to marry, and I mean down the line. And so um, anyway, that was the construction paper analogy. Just remember that when you give your pieces of your heart to someone. The, the verse that you said in Song of Solomon, don't awaken love before yeah. it's time. Two seven. Uh, two seven. Yeah, yeah. So that would be a big one. Don't just don't just hold back, hold back, hold back, hold back. Yeah, it's that, coming. It's coming. Just hold back. Well, and it's really good because uh, what I like what you say because like God designed and we talked about this last week too, but God designed us to be together, right? <clears throat> uh, Brent's quote. That there's only things there's things only a, a man can meet in his wife's life and you know that whole thing. God designed us to be together, <clears throat> and so our desire, guys, to be with a wife, is a good desire. And for why for girls, uh, your desire to have a husband that's a good desire. But what happened at the fall is our whole world got twisted, right? And so now we can sin, and so all these good things that we desire have these negative things that we can twist them into. And so that's what this physical relationship before marriage, I mean, that's what it is. It's, yeah. it's Satan taking something good that God created and making it something bad, which is a physical relationship outside of marriage, um, which, you know, can be, uh, you know, sexual immorality or whatever you want to call it. And so we can go down that path very easily because... It feels good, it feels right, because there's an aspect of it that God created that was good and is right, but then we twist it and we turn it and make it into something that it shouldn't be. And it's hard to, to hear that voice of truth and who should I be listening to, mm -hmm. and I think that's where difficult is. We, we can all think of really good things and we can all think up really bad things, and it's like, who am I listening to or what am I listening to? And so. Um, uh, do I have time for a little, uh, yeah. just an example? Let's see, uh, what, what's your name? 
Simeon, come here, Simeon. Stand, stand right here in front of, in front of Hunter, and just look this way. Uh, just stand there and look. And what's uh, what's your name, young man? Elijah. Elijah. So Simeon, Elijah, Elijah, Simeon. Okay. Simeon's going to come and shake your hand, Elijah. Okay. Very simple thing, right? Yeah. Okay, Simeon. Um, before you do, though, I want you to close your eyes. Okay. Okay. If you touch anything, it you blow up. Just blow up, like disintegrate, blow up. I'm touching the floor right now. Right. So you're basically blowing up. Yeah. But since I didn't, uh, since I'm going to leave the floor as an open ground. Now, Simeon, who do you want to walk you through or give you voice commands through? What voice do you want to hear to go to Elijah and shake his hand? Who do you trust? Do you trust uh, one of your friends over here to hang out with because they truly have your back? Or yeah. Do you, or do you trust? Or do you trust Hunter? Uh, let me, let's I just think, think I no. Let me think about it for a second because <laughs> you're gonna put your life literally in the hands of somebody to say turn left, turn right, step forward, stop, stop, back up. I mean, he's gonna give you some commands, but if you touch anything with your hands, your feet, your legs, anything other than the floor, Simeon, because you're very detailed, you're gonna blow up. <laughs> Who do you trust? Well. Hunter, Hunter is not very trust. The other, the younger, the younger Hunter isn't very trustworthy. Oh, this is and it wouldn't look very good for the youth pastor if he blew up one of the students. So he's probably more trustworthy. He's more. Oh, alive. there we go. All right. Well, I'm not going to have you do it because okay, cool. uh, we don't have time for that. <laughs> Thank you, Sammy. Right in the chair. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and and to, to me that exemplifies, guys. You know, it's fun okay. to have friends, and we're going to goof around stuff. But what happens when you really have to navigate? I mean, something serious. Mm. What voice are you trusting? You, you know, I go with the person that's already been down the path. My notes in here somewhere oh, yeah. because she writes down a lot. Basically, <laughs> says get rid of ninety percent of your of your media. Mm. Whatever you're listening to or watching, ninety percent of it is n is not leading you the right direction, mm. and I'm, and me included. We fight because media continually comes in front of us. I'd say ninety, if not more, percent of it that is directing you and I to do is just lies and wrong. That's a fight we all have to fight in this day and age, but just like he thought through and said, what voice am I going to listen to to take my first step? Because buddies like to say, well, let's drop him off into the lake. That'll be funny. It's a little more serious when you're talking about life and marriage and, and everything. The only voice, again, as we get back to to say, what, who can I listen to? God's Word. God through His Word. And the Holy Spirit, as you're, if you're a believer in here and the Holy Spirit's in you, the voice of God communicated to you through the Holy Spirit and the other wise people in your life that's speaking to you in a godly way are going to say, listen, move this way or that way because you, you, you will stumble and fall. And for me, that explosion looked like in my marriage because that's exactly what happened is it ended up in a, in a catastrophe. Yeah. Praise God, He's redeemed that. So anyway, yeah. yes. thanks, Simeon, for uh, for being honest I'm so, about Andre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you said we're, that we're gonna get through one question. Sorry, today. the best that's way okay. to keep being from out of an infidelity in your marriage is to practice purity now, and it, mm. it kind of goes on to what he just said. Um, that you are to keep guard over your heart. That um, Proverbs says that we are to. I don't even know where it is. But uh, guard your heart above all things. Above all those, guard your heart. Yeah, 423, right? Close. Yeah, 423. Yeah. And also <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 10:15 says that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So that is a lot of what Rick was saying. When we, get, when we hold that standard to what we're watching and putting in our brain with the media, that, I mean, it really does. A lot of it just needs to fall away and not be in front of us. Um. I have a, a Psalm 119.37. We have it in front of our TV. It says, turn my eyes from worthless things. Hmm. And um, there's more to it than that, but y'all look up that verse, Psalm 119.37. Uh, the other thing we were just saying, just that practice of purity right now, that the media is important. Be bold and practice not pleasing others or yourself above God. Hmm. That's a tough thing in your age to not want to please others or look cool around others just I think your your mom and dad had the big you're gonna have to stand alone mm -hmm. and they really trained um, Hunter and his siblings They're, you're you're just gonna have to stand alone get over it yeah. and so be bold be ready to say no and be okay with it yeah and I wanted to also say in the middle of this practicing purity ladies can I just say it really quick just be modest with what you wear. Mm. I know fashion dictates all kinds of fun, cool things, but you know I see all the modesty in here, so you guys probably don't need this talk. Mm -hmm. But 
I, I did have a pastor at one time say something that really stuck with me. He said, you know what? If it's not for sale, don't advertise it. Be careful what you're advertising with the way you dress. Instead, look at um, Colossians 3.12. I think it says, um, put on then... Ah, put on then with as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and um, bearing with one another. All those things, forgiveness, love, and peace. It just moves through that passage, but it tells you the things to adorn yourself with, rather than worrying about. Oh, I really need the latest fashion. And fellas, when you're looking for a gal, be on alert. If she is really consumed with how she's looking in fashion that just look for the idol. Is she pointed her, her heart toward the Lord or is she pointing toward, I really want to be cool to everybody around me and, and be the the one who everybody looks to for fashion instead yeah. of the Lord. So. Yeah. No, that's good. And this is a big deal. Uh, and purity is a big deal. And you know how you know? No, I mean, Scripture obviously tells us. Mm-hmm. But because it's number one on the list, mm-hmm. on every list. Mm-hmm. It's number one on the list. This is why uh, people divorce. It's number one. Infidelity is? Yeah. Oh, wow. And so because it's number one on the list, your purity right now is very important. Okay? And so we, we have to move on. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, one okay. more thing. So the boundaries that they talked about. This is good. We can, like, stand here for a I know. We could have I mean, done a whole lesson. So, so one way to build trust right now and to practice purity is is you hold your boundary, and then as, as gentlemen, you hold her boundaries mm-hmm. in dating. It's critical that you hold boundaries for the other person and in marriage to prevent infidelity pray for one another and really look for ways to serve and meet each other's needs Hmm. that's really good yeah and with with boundaries i mean we've we've talked about it all i know you have um no no it's good i I mean i was just going to say we had the question last week you know kissing before marriage and stuff and we ended up answering that could be wrong for some people right Mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of what Julie's talking about is like you got to watch those boundaries not only for yourself but once you get into like a boyfriend girlfriend relationship or fiance relationship it's like well my fiance struggles uh, with physical temptation so as the guy or the girl I'm going to make sure that we don't even get close to that and you're helping protect them and you you know and so um, that's really good so next the next one on the list do you have any more? Nothing. Any more on that? Okay. Sorry, honey. All right, next one on the list is money, finances. <clears throat> this is a uh, the second cause of divorce, um, and it's very high up there again. The top three are, are very top three, usually. Um, but what's the root problem when it comes to fighting over money with couples, and how can we keep our heart from this? Uh, maybe some even some practical ways that we can that can help us. Like, I'm going to look into the future and say, I'm going to be married someday. What can help me? know now like what I should do then to, to keep yeah. all that. Well, as we obviously talk about this, you know, I, I kind of group money into just resources and yep. wealth uh, because it's, well, you, you, there, there are money issues that also, there are also, we, we have lots of stuff, we have lots of resources, we have a lot of time. And all of that is like, how do we manage all of that that God has blessed us with? And honestly, from the get-go, if, if, if we, we as a couple haven't committed and devoted all of that to the Lord, for him to direct, it says direct our time, direct our money. Um, then, 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 without the Lord, we begin to to be a little bit more self-possessive about what we do with it, and and that's where I think the communication of how we spend our money, how we spend our time, how do we allot things to other people, or what do we retain, or or did you not spend it on me? Why are you spending it on you? All those things come in when we go back to the center. Uh, cause of all these symptomatic things, and we get back to the root cause, it just simply says we haven't devoted our marriage, we haven't devoted our wealth, we haven't devoted, devoted our resources to the Lord for the Lord to direct and use as he would will us and direct us to do that and then communicate mm-hmm. about what we're hearing from the Lord so it doesn't appear like, what are you doing that for? Well, I didn't communicate. Mm-hmm. We didn't pray about it. We didn't talk about it. And so I think I, I think the biggest thing money is is because people right off the bat have not have not brought their whole household under the Lord to commit mm-hmm. the resources we find in Micah that says certainly the the the, the first fruits go to the Malachi. Lord that's your tithe Malachi Malachi I'm sorry Malachi. Malachi, there's yeah. the same one so so in Malachi so we did we have directive just to, to direct us how do we be faithful tithers or givers of our resources to show that money is not my idol. Uh, money doesn't own me, 
I'm going to give to the Lord faithfully, but it, it, it goes way beyond that 10% when it comes to marriage because all of a sudden now we have bills and we have commitments. And then we have these personal things that we like to do, fishing, hunting. That's her hobby, not mine. But, <laughs> but, but all of a sudden those become argumentative. Why? When we, when we haven't pulled us together and says we exist to, to please and glorify the God, our money is one way we do that. And to also respect and honor each other in that process and to communicate what's going on with our resources. Because um, I think that's when it's like, why are you spending so much on you and your hobbies and stuff? And it's like, well, that, that's only there because it's not, it's, that, it's not been brought under the lordship of that. And, that, and it's not been communicated well between each, uh, each of the spouses. That's why it's so critical that you marry someone who is pursuing the Lord because it always comes back to, I mean, even when all my emotions are stirring up or I don't remember a, a big money fight, but let's say I had a, an irritation with money and we were arguing over something, the bottom line, if, if I'll be honest with myself, is selfish and it's not putting the Lord first and it's not allowing him to have his resources and his control in our marriage. So, or, or him as our leader. So anyway, it really is all of these things. The plumb line is Christ and your relationship with him. And when you're both pursuing him, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. It just, I mean, it, it solves a lot of these issues. It may, there may be a rub, but ultimately when you, when you pray about it and turn it back to the Lord and allow him to minister to your heart, he'll bring it back around. Yeah. You know, I I always go back to, this is a, this is a, a, a kind of a, a railroad relationship in other words there's two train tracks this isn't a unicycle so so because there's two train tracks we both get to carry the load of the relationship now sometimes that train leans a little bit and somebody over there has to pick up the load like when someone's sick or someone's struggling or whatnot but but it's still going to be on two train tracks and both people need to bear the weight and the and the responsibility of the whole relationship that we're bringing down this path what does that look like um, um, well, she had a surgery like several years ago, right? And so there were times when she was unavailable to cook and, and, and to go to work and to function and whatever else. And so there were times where I had to bear more of that weight of the relationship because she was not able to do it in, in that time frame. And the key about money is, uh, and I'll use her computer example as a, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so she's had two laptops now where she got water on it and killed it. <coughs> just killed it, right? Well, one was coffee, but... <laughs> Water, fluids. Fluids aren't good on computers, right? <laughs> computers are expensive, right? Well, money, as you begin to keep a record of wrongs, as you begin to then say, look how much money you've cost this relationship, or we now I can't go on my big fishing trip, because you, as we begin to keep a record of wrongs and then to tally up how much... Guys, that's just e- eating at your relationship, to, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to play into this money issue down the road is say, listen, mistakes happen. But since I'm on her team, since she's on my team, since we're on the same team, then 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 I you know I, I feel for her. It's like I know I've drunk I've drunk coffee around my computer before. I've sat in the bathtub while I'm listening to something on Audible or whatever. I get it. It just happened to her and not me. But you have to understand that those kinds of things should not get in between you when it's uh, also we got to pay whatever money for a new computer or a fixed car or something like that because your spouse guys that's where money gets in the way of understanding i'm for her and it and, and my heart breaks for her to go i just messed up a computer it's all right we we've got this we've got this why because way ahead of time we've committed our household to the lord i'm for you and i'm not against you and, and in first corinthians under the definition of love i'm not going to keep a record of wrongs even when it comes to money so that I can deteriorate the value of you in my in my marriage. Yeah. And I actually didn't hear one word about that. About I mean, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I, can't blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I didn't hear that. I'm gonna move my computer a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> my <laughs> coffee. <self. laughs> but okay, wise man. Yeah. So uh, no, that, I think that's really good. And <clears throat> you know, if, if that computer is God's, and it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, some of my dad. I'm referencing him again, but he he taught us is whenever you get something, just give it to God. And so if you're doing that with right now, and then you do that in marriage, you know your paycheck comes in. That's not your money; it's God's money. And so then if you lose it, well, God lost it, right? And He's in control of everything, so He cannot lose it. Um, and so it, that does make a big difference. I like that a lot. When all of it goes back to, well, this is all God's anyway. Um, this money's not mine. This computer's not mine. 
um, this coffee's not mine, it's all God. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. That's I, good. Yeah. I would say that it's important to talk about a lot of these things before marriage, and money is one of them. Um, I think I heard you make mention of it last week, just that people handle money differently, and mm-hmm. it's really good to talk about it before it turns into an emotional battle. Yeah. Of, like, I really think I should always have a new you know, pair of shoes every month or whatever. He needs to know that, and y'all need to discuss that. Yeah, <laughs> which is number three. Yay! Well, right? By the way, uh, it's not saying we're being stupid about it either. We do yeah. now have a protect a protection layer for her computer. We yeah. do. There's a silicone top. It's a on silicone it. top. <laughs> so, guys, don't don't be don't be ignorant about it. Learn our lessons. Mm-hmm. Correct them. But but don't beat each other on the head with some kind of uh, some kind of game of, of you did this or you did that. It's just not part of a healthy marriage to be able to do that. But certainly be wise about it, right? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So number three, communication. communication. Uh, I can't remember what the stick is. It's like ninety percent of something divorces say that communication had something to do with their divorce. So I mean, it's like almost all of them, right? So let's talk about communication a little bit. How do the question I had here is how do assumptions play a role in this? Um, because a lot of times we assume things mm-hmm. and then we don't communicate them. And mm-hmm. you even talking about money, some of those things you guys said, it's yeah. I'm assuming one thing and they're not assuming it. So how do assumptions destroy our relationships or really get in there and uh, tear them up uh, when there's no communication? Um, so that can just answer that. Well, assumptions are unfounded things that we become truth in our minds, and then we act like they're truth, and then we respond to them as if they were true, but yet they started out when it's just an <coughs> assumption mm-hmm. or maybe a, a guess. I'm guessing she, th- she feels this way because I may have seen something, so therefore she does feel this way, so therefore I should be upset about it, so therefore, oh, now the marriage is over. Yeah. Well, that's just not the case. So now she has no problem with communicating. Ever, she is. She's. She's one of those people. You want to know what she thinks, or you don't want to know what she thinks. She's very expressive, right, right out there, and just puts it out there. So, so she's. I'm not as outspoken. When some people would say use the word opinionated, yeah, that's true. Per se, unless I'm asked, uh, then I have an opinion. But communication uh, is, is key, and, and, and this probably wraps up everything else when we talk about money, when we talk infidelity, when we talk about marriage struggles and all. If, if there's not communication, there's no way for the couple to avoid assumptions, which are false truths that have no merit, or expectations. I expect my, 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 my spouse to know this, do this, be this, be this, and so I have this unhealthy expectation. Some of our expectations are built from some of the media you're watching, which I say, if you're watching anything to base yourself on what a marriage should look like from media, it's, 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 it's all wrong. Mm-hmm. So, so find a good representation of what marriage should look like so the expectations you have walking into marriage are accurate and that you actually can communicate well with the person that you may be going down that path with about what does marriage look like for us. Do you want to go to Israel say that one? Yeah, I love Israel. Thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for asking. We're dating, right? I mean, I'm 42 years old, and I've always wanted to go to Israel. This is and maybe the first date. We're just talking. Or second date. Talking about anyway. life, you know, mm-hmm. stars and animals, bunnies and stuff like that. And I was like, hey, you know. And, you know, my, my the ministry I work with goes to Israel every year. And so I was just like, man, wouldn't it be fun to go to Israel? And she's like, yeah. I think it was phrased... Do you, do you want, want to, to go, go to Israel? Israel? I probably said something. Oh, so, my God, do guys. you want to go to Israel? I just, I just threw thinking, it out there. Right? I assumed, number She's, one, that when he said, do you want to go to Israel? I'm thinking, he's got the means, he's got a trip lined up, and he is ready to take me to Israel. This is awesome. Yeah, see, that was a misconception. <laughs> it was just it's a rhetorical a, question. <laughs> you got, you want to go to Brahms for some ice cream? <laughs> yeah, I'm know, not going there today, but you, you could go. Right? <laughs> Yeah, so there's an assumption there, and she could perhaps she could build that if she chose to champion that and say, "Wait a second, I'm disappointed now." Well, what I mean, the, what the truth was is I started to realize how he communicates, and it didn't. That wasn't an invitation. That was just a thought. Like yeah. you like to go to Israel, and and, mm-hmm. and that it was just a passing thought. And we, I mean, if we had the means, if we had the opportunity, that may be a different story. I mean, yeah, we both like to go if that ever happens. Mm. But immediately I thought, you know, like now then we built a house on some land and, and I began to realize when he said certain things, okay, that's not a it's happening tomorrow. That's a maybe somewhere down the line in the real like long distant future, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It might happen. 20 years from Maybe. Yeah. So don't get my, don't start digging in and going, yeah, this is happening. Yeah. i got to start packing. Yeah. I need to go shopping for this Israel trip. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So communication is key to clarify back to say, uh, when are we going to Israel? Are we going to Israel? <laughs> yeah. what, what do you think about that? Rather than assuming and then being disappointed later or then saying, you, you did you lie? Uh, again, all that kind of boils up into this big assumptive kind of world to say, well, let's just communicate and ask. Yeah. I think that's the practical tip, too, is to go back and ask, to clarify with questions, to make sure that you are um, not assuming by, by, by restating what you think you just heard. That's a really important lesson in communication. Mm. Okay, so what I hear you saying is this, this, and this. Is that accurate? Is that what you meant to say? And if you can begin to develop that habit right now, even in your friendships, did you mean, like, okay, so this is what I hear you saying. Is that what you said? When you do that, you will become an excellent communicator. And listen, listen to what they say. Practice listening instead of talking. I, that, that's invaluable, and it's one that I still feel like I have to do. I have to be still and listen. Yeah. That's really good. And uh, as we go through our marriages, and I think all you other couples would agree, uh, we get better and better at communicating, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Right? And it, it's not like you're just automatically good when you go in. That's something you have to learn, especially as you learn, who, as I learn who Haley is. You know, I'm getting hopefully learn her better. Language. Yeah, learn her language. And so um, another piece of advice may be that unlike our culture when communication doesn't happen that's okay let's learn from it yeah let's go back try to yeah extend grace let's go back communicate about it and let's go forward instead of saying okay this communication we're not meant for each other we don't we're not compatible let's divorce yeah right don't assume the worst in the conversation always have your husband or your wife's back and be like yeah if you want to make any assumptions assume that your spouse your girlfriend boyfriend whatever is doing what's best for you and they had good intentions in mind even if it didn't turn out good i'm not sure i'd say that on the boyfriend girlfriend thing well maybe not boyfriend girlfriend because <laughs> you're still mean? trying to figure out well yeah that's true you? okay yeah. that's a good point I mean, yeah you got to watch out for red flags you got to watch it yeah i got you okay that's a good yeah. point but once you get married okay so example of what i'm talking about is if you know if i do something okay and it hurts Haley, if she assumes that i didn't mean to hurt her then that's going to be a lot easier for her to come back and communicate with me. Whereas if she's assuming that what I did was intentional and malicious, then that's going to be something that could be a record of wrongs keeping, could be something that turns into bitterness or hatred even or things like that. Uh, But if she's like, oh, you know what? Hunter's just dumb sometimes and he didn't mean to hurt me, you know, or whatever. He, He just, he didn't mean to do that. You know, that wasn't his goal or his intention and assume that then that can sometimes really help us yeah. communicate even. Well, it's probably a good time to just kind of say bake with all the ingredients. Um, now, she doesn't use usually a, a, a recipe. Well, I start with a recipe. She starts with it. And she, but when I say that, God is, you know, you listen. We talked about who, what voice are you listening to, what truth. God has given us such a great, a great recipe of life. And, and if, we, if, we, if we leave out some of the ingredients, it kind of can still work, but it just doesn't. I mean, you guys leave out sugar. Sorry, cookies aren't great. Uh, so, so bake with all the ingredients. What I mean is don't walk into communication or into any of these things and leave out grace. Hmm. God's given us that as an ingredient so that our failures aren't the end of everything. He's given us forgiveness so that we could alleviate the wrongs that have been committed. Just like he bestows these ingredients on us. I have mercy for you. I have love for you. I have grace for you. I've got fruits of the Spirit for you. I want you to then, in turn, use all of these ingredients to each other. Because if we leave these out in my relationship to her and I don't extend mercy, then our communication and our ability to, to, to enjoy epic love together for a lifetime is going to taste like cookies without sugar. It's like, oh, it's kind of bland, but we're here, we're doing it. But it's like, no, use the ingredients God has given us and exampled for us through Jesus to then, in turn, interact with each other and that's that's uh i can't tell you enough how much value mercy brings to the relationship how much value grace kindness generosity um uh, all of the things that god outlined for us so just uh 
uh, again, uh, bake with bake with the bake with the whole ingredient list instead of leaving stuff out. So that's really good. All right, we're not going to get through all these. So we're going to skip a couple. Please. Okay. Hit so fighting and arguing was number four. Wow. Fighting and arguing, and this goes back, I think, to all of them, yeah. right? Because yeah. all of them can produce fighting and arguing. And some people, couples say, "Well, I just fight and argue too much. I'm getting out." Uh, looks. Okay. We're not going to talk about this one, but uh, there are times uh, when people said weight gain is actually what. The title was yeah, weight gain was a reason why it's uh, it's a cultural thing improper view of self um, and things like that can lead to this again we don't have time to talk about it sadly <clears throat> we are going to talk about this one though uh, expectations and this goes back to like an unhealthy dependence which uh, Brent did talk about a little bit last week so I want to kind of expound on it um, define what the world means by, or what you think the world means by when they say, well, I got divorced because of expectations. Mm -hmm. You already kind of <clears throat> talked about it, so let's yeah. dig into that a little bit. Uh, what does that unhealthy dependence on a spouse look like? Yeah, well, I just reiterate what I said and kind of moving in to say, if you're developing your idea of marriage and commitment and, and, and duties or roles of relationships from a very unhealthy source, you've created expectations already moving into a relationship that one honestly will rarely have ever be met that way. Okay, you're watching TV, you're watching this. Uh, that, that's that's just a that's a, a very false idea of what a committed marriage might look like. And so I would say if you're if you're wanting to create proper expectations like that, find people, real people who aren't on camera, who are actually living a life, pursuing the Lord because you see the fruit of their life that looks like that, and then find out how they interact with their with their spouses. And ask them and, 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 and inquire about them what does that look like in your role and what you expect from each other we have expectations that that are some somewhat simple right there are expectations when we wake up in the morning that to get out the door by him we expect and we have to work together to get this done and if we step out it's like okay we're Where's breakfast? Okay, well, is, is Cohen ready? Okay, okay, so there are things that have to be done. There are, there are, there are household expectations about paying the bills and cleaning the house. You guys know that because you all love to clean the house. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> way on that. Uh, the other expectation is when you go on a trip, Rick, and you're gone for five days in another state, she expects me to pursue the same relationship with the Lord, the same relationship with her, even though I'm not home. That's a healthy expectation from a spouse to be committed when, I'm, when there's no one around there to be accountable for. See, that's an expectation that she should have and I have with her as well. And so when these expectations are, and it goes back to anger and communication and money, there are expectations that drive that. And it's almost like, it's like God has an expectation that you and I would be what? Less than perfect? He, he doesn't really say, hey, you know, just follow me in some of my commands. He says, no, if you love me, you will follow my commands. He expects us to be perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Are we able to do all that and be perfect? No. No, we're not. He says, how does that work? Well, because all those, all those ingredients I just talked about is fulfilled through Jesus Christ when we say, I can't be perfect. I'm going to strive to be perfect as God has instructed me. But I understand that my salvation is not based on my perfection. I certainly want to pursue a right living with God, but my perfection is based on Jesus Christ and my belief in Him and the salvation I get through that. It's in, in contrast, I want to be a perfect spouse. And guys, I'm, I, you know, when, when we were dating and stuff, and we get in, I said, listen, I'm going to wake up every day, and I'm going to, I'm going to try to understand the bullseye on everything to, to, in our relationship. I'm going to try to hit it, but I'm not going to hit it every day. And I don't want to be ridiculed every day for not hitting the bullseye in the right place. Because that's where grace and mercy has to come in and say, I know you wanted to hit it, but you, you fell short, honey. And, and we're going to communicate how we can work together on that. But when we get to this whole thing about expectations, it, it can be a, a, a life sucker. Uh, suck the life out of you if your expectations aren't aligned in Christ and, and healthy as it relates to your spouse. And I think all the expectations have to be taken to the Lord first. We're looking for Him to meet our expectations. And if and that takes, it to me, that rounds the edge off. It, he, he rounds the edge off before we get to a discussion about it. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, a situation with our house. When um, he asked me to marry him, he had a house. And he owned it. And 
the situation was if I, I didn't want to live in this house because it had been with his previous wife and I just thought that just doesn't that sounds like a recipe for a disaster I don't want to do it and in my heart I was like I had some friends that I was seeking counsel from I'm like you know what I just I don't want to I want a fresh start I think this I don't care if we go to a condo I'm fine I'm just I don't want the house and so I was talking to him about it and you know having the expectation he should listen to me because I'm you know going to be his wife and if he loves me he'll think about this Rick said um okay is is this a what'd you say is this a it wasn't die on the mountain is this a non-negotiable is this a non-negotiable and I was like well like are you gonna put the ring on my finger if that's not gonna happen and because it was financially not a good time for that to happen it wasn't that he was unwilling to look at it well if you owned a house in America in 2008 you understand what property values yeah it was insane they just tanked you couldn't sell houses so and I, I trust that God can sell a house in the middle of a disaster. I get that, but so, but that's where we were. It's like, okay, if God can sell this house and we can get out from under, that's great. And I, I, I'm not in, but, but it went back to her to say, if we sold it, for, but what if, what if God doesn't ha- allow this house to sell? Yeah, is this a non-negotiable? Are we going to wait to get married until we can sell a house? And I, so I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of a big deal. Like. Am I ready to say it's a non-negotiable? Because it really felt big to me at the time. So I was um, reading a book, Bill Hybels, about listening to God. And I was journaling my questions and just waiting on the Lord. And I had asked him, Lord, what about this house? And he clearly spoke to me, not audibly, but clearly spoke to me, let go. And so I obediently let go. And just I thought, okay, well, it's it's not a big deal. We're, I'm not gonna, we're not going to worry about it. And all the emotional attachment stuff that I had, like the thought was going to have issues, was completely gone. We lived in it for a couple of years, got out of it. It's moved a great in, house. And yeah, it was. It was I thought you stayed because had. of my good looks. It was. <laughs> but the assumption. The, <laughs> assumption. You <laughs> tracking? See how I assume that? Maybe it's totally wrong. But the expectation, if I wouldn't have taken it to the Lord first, it would have really driven a wedge early on. And, and it could have been a point of contention of, I knew we shouldn't have had this house. I knew we should, you know, everything that went wrong, you can really step into it. But mm-hmm. when the Lord leads, it really starts to just kind of soften everything. By the way, I expect her not to be rude. Yeah. And she nice. expects me, why? Because 1 Corinthians, the definition of love, mm-hmm. it gives us the recipe, the outline of clear and concise expectations. And if I am rude, then I expect the Holy Spirit to knock me on the head and say, and, it, and the Holy Spirit may be coming through her to say, Greg, that's <laughs> kind of rude. And then I would use God's word to go humbly, yeah, I'm sorry, that was, that was rude. Uh, that wasn't kind. I wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. I am keeping a record of wrongs. You see, guys, as we look at that recipe of life, and I get back to it because I think it resonates with us to go, yeah, you know, I'm not using the whole recipe and all the ingredients to have meaningful relationship. And even when it comes to expectations, God has certain expectations that they're like, yeah, absolutely. And then others are formulated in in error, in assumptions that should not be there because the media, some media show you watch set it up, there's like, oh, or you had relationships before marriage that now you have a comparative that's an unhealthy comparative and an expectation of your spouse. It's like, no, no, that shouldn't be there either. And so we get back to to that. Definitely. It's really good. All right, so our other ones, because uh, we're running out of time, mm-hmm. is intimacy, okay? Uh, so make sure you guys, in your premarital counseling, we got a lot of this, and I think mm-hmm. that's good. But intimacy or lack of intimacy is really uh, what causes one. Lack of equality. Um, I've seen this happen uh, to somebody very close to me, uh, and that's a very cultural thing right now. Um, a lot of, uh, especially women right now, are divorcing, and you only need one person to divorce now too, right? Mm-hmm. So you have um, girls that are divorcing their husbands because they don't feel that they are equal, um, and that's not in value. That's in other things, and so uh, we won't, we don't have time to talk about it. Which we did, and then the other one, all of you guys should write this down: is preparation. They didn't feel like they were prepared for marriage, which is what we're doing and what we're talking about. Um, and so we are we're already out of time, <clears throat> but I want to give you guys an opportunity for a couple questions. So, and then I want to give you guys your last sentence still, okay. too. And so um, does anybody have any questions uh, for Rick and Julie regarding any of these things or just, like, anything at all that you guys have um, for them? Any questions about any of these nine things or anything different or pitfalls in general? 
Oh man, yeah. that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> How'd your grandma deal with that? Yeah, they got him a new one. But I think there we go. See, yeah, see. see, get him a new one. Bump in the road. <laughs> Roll on. <huh? laughs> I guess a uh, question would be like for kids that are in relationships or later on down the road, if there is past from their significant others, you know, relationship, how to deal with that? How to navigate? Like, okay. Are they, you know, ha just to have wisdom on it? Do I knock them out? No, you're not for me because you have all this baggage, mm -hmm. physical yeah. and emotional. Or yeah. I guess, what would you say? What I think that really is the one thing we were going to say with the three on not being prepared for marriage, the ways to be prepared. Mm -hmm. So you want to tell them your three? Well, well in response to that, I mean, that was really what she faced to a degree. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, do I want to get in a, in, in a marriage with a guy who had a failed marriage? and uh, may have issues there and and so I think there's oftentimes we want to say you're disqualified because life has been rough for you and that's absolutely wrong if that was the case why would why would God want to relate with us being such sinful people um, having said that has this person through some seasons have we shown evidence of this person becoming and, and, and repentant with God and reconciliation with God and quite honestly reconciliation with those who an offense may have happened so that by the time they come to a relationship where they have to give and serve someone else they themselves are still not on life support if you will on they're not whole and, and they're not they don't they're not walking on their own with a relationship with the Lord in a healthy place and ready and uh, willing to give to a relationship rather than saying I want to get married real quick, but I'm still dealing with problem, 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 and I still have habits and issues going on. And, and that's where I say it's really not time to move on until that person can become whole. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's very tricky when, when, you, when you fall in love with someone who's still in that and there's pressure to get married and you feel like you don't want to get out of, out of it. It's like, oh, if I do, it's just going to hurt them more. Um, and, and I think you have to be bold in that space and say we're still not there. And, I, and, and let that person continue to seek uh, being more whole in their own life. I think that the principle that I would say is stand back. So when Abraham sent his servant to find a wife for Isaac, he stood back at the well and watched. He wanted to see what she would do in response to certain things. And she served. She served him. She went above and beyond, served the animals. That's back in Genesis. You guys can go back and look at that. But this woman showed her character, and, he, and the servant stood back and watched. So as we as people, as young men and young women, stand back and watch. Don't enter into a relationship. Stand back and see what they're doing with other people when they don't know you're watching. That's critical. And, and to know, I mean, you can hear their story, and it's important to hear their story, but it's it's really important to, to fact check it with others around them. What, what did they say happened? Is it different? Is everything that he says, is it different than, than how others perceived it happening? Or are they all like, oh, wow, yes, and, it, and even more. In, in Rick's case, this um, one of the things that struck me was, number one, his, because um, the big D word, divorce, would have been like, okay, moving, next, next. Um, because I was really wanting someone who is committed to covenant to the Lord. So I had to really examine that carefully and, and know what happened in that situation. But several things showed me. Number one, his from other sides and other people explained to me how that marriage looked before, that he was in marriage and his, his behavior, his relationship with the Lord dictated how he treated her in, in response to a difficult marriage and in wanting to stay in the marriage in spite of the fact that it was difficult. That was huge because he was a covenant-keeping man. And then another issue, how he dealt with betrayal and loss. How did he do that? He actually, there's um, an amazing story of him having the Lord show him something in his heart that he did, he did not have forgiveness in his heart. He wasn't sleeping well toward the guy who took his wife. And, and God convicted him, go and call him and tell him you forgive him. What? Like... The guy, you know, hello. But Rick obediently, after a struggle, well, let's not say it was easy, but mm -hmm. there was a struggle. He called him and, and said, listen, my faith demands that I do this, and I want you to know that I've, I, I don't want you to take her. It's wrong biblically, but I'm telling you that I forgive you and, and was able to actually witness to him on the phone. 
And um, I'm sure that the other guy was, I don't even know if he was a believer, mm-hmm. was a little confused about the whole thing. But he was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, dude, yeah. But Rick was obedient to walk through a very, I mean, that was a tough, tough thing to do, mm-hmm. to humble himself and to be clean, do what it took to be right before the Lord to, because there's always two sides to the coin. Even in this struggle, which I feel like Rick really was a godly man through it, there's still there's still issues in our heart that we have to reconcile with the Lord and be whole and ready. And that's probably where we lead to the last statements. Yeah, of, yeah go yeah. ahead with your last statements. Yeah. Well, one sentence. <laughs> Here's your sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll preface that to say most people, especially guys, marry for looks and wit. They're good looking and they're funny, so it's going to be fun. Guys, looks and wit are gone after six months. You might still be good looking, but it doesn't matter anymore because the weight of life, the weight of marriage is now sitting, stabilized on what? How good looking you are, that didn't pay the bills. How funny you are, the kids still got to get up. Guys, looks and wit are not the foundation. And and by the way, it's fleeting, right? It's a... (laughs) People get old and looks don't stay. So looks and wit cannot be the primary reasons why we get married. So my sentence, what did my sentence say? Focus. This was your sentence. Focus on the Lord and he'll take care of the rest. Focus on the Lord. Take a relationship with the Lord. And then mine was tag teaming along with that. Let peace be the umpire. If you don't have peace, don't date them, don't marry them. But But that's only founded in your relationship with the Lord. Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson. Thank you.